Soaring with a eagle so high, feeling free. Remember me down the road, hand in hand. Welcome to What She Said on 1059 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. Normally, I try to open each show on a note of positivity, but this week has been the hardest I can ever remember as a Canadian. The tragic discovery of 215 children in a mass grave in Kamloops is a dark stain on Canada, and we cannot let truth and reconciliation become Canada's version of thoughts and prayers like when America faces a mass shooting. June is National Indigenous History Month, and we will be highlighting Indigenous stories this month, but at its core, what she said is an intersectional feminist broadcast. So my commitment is not just to amplify Indigenous voices in Canada this month, but all year long, as we've always done. On this week's show, there is a pediatric emergency happening in Canada, and Children First Canada has declared a code pink. Sarah Austin, the CEO and founder of Children First Canada, joins me to discuss the urgency of addressing the mental health of our kids, with 70% of our youth saying their mental health has deteriorated during this pandemic. We also touch on the impact the Kamloops tragedy is having on our kids and some resources for talking to them about it. If you're looking for a new way to manage your life instead of to-do lists and calendar reminders, Julie Harrison from MindManager.com joins me to share how mind mapping works. It's film festival season, so Anne Brody has three to share with us in addition to new movies you won't want to miss this week. Plus, she didn't realize it, but she brought my number one movie star crush into the mix this week. Ooh la la. I used to think budget was a dirty word until I started working with Meridian Credit Union, so I'm thrilled to be jumping into part two of our eight-part series on personal finance, where we discuss exactly what a budget is and where to begin using one. Date night has been pretty challenging the last year, which is why it's datenight.com has been so crucial for people to find creative ways to enjoy a first date or keep the romance alive with the thousandth date. Selena Kovacis joins me to share some of the fun ideas they share with their audience. You would think that dental health would be the same for men and women, but it's definitely not. Anita Deddy from Dental X walks us through how hormones, your menstrual cycle, and pregnancy can affect your mouth, teeth, and gums. It's another full week at what she said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. Down the road, hand in hand, you and me. Children First Canada and their partners have declared Code Pink, which is a pediatric emergency. Kids in Canada are in crisis and in need of urgent support for their mental and physical health. Sarah Austin is a world-class champion for children with more than 20 years of global and Canadian experience. 
As the founder and CEO of Children First Canada, she leads a national movement to make Canada the best place in the world for kids to grow up. Sarah joins me now to discuss Code Pink and where we go from here to help our children recover from this pandemic. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. I was alarmed to read uh, an article that that said that 70% of children were suffering with mental health issues. Uh, This obviously didn't surprise you to hear this, did it? No, it sadly isn't surprising. I mean, we knew that uh, even before the pandemic that we had a child and youth mental health crisis on our hands and the pandemic has made a bad situation much worse. Uh, Children have faced uh, enormous obstacles in accessing mental health care for many years. Over the past decade, there's been a 61% increase in children seeking uh, mental health supports in emergency rooms. that should be ringing alarm bells to begin with, uh, that so many kids are in a state of crisis seeking mental health supports in an emergency setting. Uh, and then you layer on the pandemic, the closures of schools, parks, recreational programs, sports, you know, all of these things have taken a massive toll on children's mental health. Yeah, this is really like a perfect storm, isn't it? We, you know, it was already uh, a broken sort of system leading up to the pandemic and the pandemic piled on. And then this week, of course, we're dealing with extra tragedy in this country uh, uh, with the tragedy that's been, you know, been uncovered in Kamloops. How do you, how do you see this affecting um, Indigenous children and also um, children across Canada, just all children really must be seeing this and mentally this must be quite disturbing for them. A mass oh. graveyard of children. It is deeply disturbing news. You know, uh, I personally, I think, along with many, many Canadians, just grieving and mourning this tragic loss uh, and knowing that there are so many children who have yet to be counted. Um, You know, so many lives have been turned upside down um, and so much pain has been caused by the legacy of residential schools and First Nations Métis and Inuit children have been made even more vulnerable as a result of this. Uh, you know, they experienced much more grave inequities around their access to mental health care to begin with, particularly uh, Indigenous children living in remote communities or on reserve were far less likely to be able to have access to the mental health supports that they desperately need to survive, let alone thrive. You know, um, and then you 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 have this news, and uh, it's just it's really unleashed uh, on top of an existing mental health crisis, uh, even greater grief for Indigenous children. But you know, I think for for kids from all walks of life are struggling to make sense of this. Uh, many schools are not actually talking about it; they may have lowered their flags, but kids are trying to make sense of they're hearing this uh, in on, on the radios or watching it on TV, and really struggling to make sense of what's happened. It's it's really really heartbreaking news. And I think parents at home are having a hard time having this discussion, even opening up this discussion with their children, because a lot of adults don't quite understand this and not being prepared to have these mental health discussions with their kids. It is really hard to have these hard conversations and people will often, you know, it's not uncommon to see my, my child's too young to talk about this or we dismiss this as something that, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it another time or um, maybe they're te- you know, assuming that a teacher will handle it. Uh, it. It's hard to have these really difficult conversations, but I firmly believe that no child is too young to talk about issues of reconciliation. We need to start these conversations about uh, systemic racism and discrimination with kids in the very early years because that's when their ideas and opinions and values are being formed. We need to have these courageous conversations with our children. It's hard for us as parents. Now, I didn't learn this in school. I had I actually had to go back to school at a university level to learn about, um, about reconciliation and our painful history as a country. 
uh, and many many people have not had that training, and so parents struggle with where to start. And I, you know, I would point people to an organization like the Caring Society, led by Dr. Cindy Blackstock. Uh, they've put together amazing resources, like a child and youth-friendly version of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's Call to Actions, and put it into simple terms with beautiful pictures that help both adults and kids alike to understand the TRC's call to actions and what that means for us as a country and the commitment that we all have to move on this journey of reconciliation. So tell me then, what, what is Code Pink's mandate right now? Well, Children First Canada and our partners declared Code Pink. Kids are in a state of crisis. Uh, the mental health um, statistics are deeply disturbing. Over the past year, we've seen a 100% increase in admissions for suicide attempts. There's been a 200% increase in admissions for substance use disorders, including the use of deadly opioids. You know, you talked about the 70% of kids who've described their mental health as, as, as worsening over the past year. Uh, eating disorders are off the charts, you know, self-harm. It is a grave state of affairs, and that's why Children First and the Children's Hospitals and other partners have declared that this is a crisis. Children are, their lives are on the line. Every day, every hour matters in the life of a child, and uh, they're not getting access to the mental health supports that they need. There's also a huge backlog in care for their physical health, surgeries, rehabilitation, things that are so essential for the development of our children's bodies and brains to have healthy lives, uh, you know, these things have all been put on pause and it's putting our children's lives in danger. And so we are calling for an emergency response. We've called on our prime minister and every premier across this country to hold an emergency first minister's meeting to discuss the crisis, to hear from experts and to formulate an emergency response. What are your recommendations for in and around for children being able to access mental health therapy? I mean, I know my two children um, have accessed uh, therapy, but there's a cost for that and not all children can afford that. Mental health care is not accessible in our country. Children are often on extensive wait lists for, for access to public services. And even for paid services, children are often having to wait sometimes months or years on end to get access to support. And you know that's unacceptable. We, as Canadians, pride ourselves in our public health care system. And yet when it comes to the mental health, it's, 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 a, it's, not, it's not invested in adequately. And so we have called for big, bold investments in the mental health care of our children uh, to support organizations like the Children's Hospitals, and community-based organizations and addressing the backlog in care, um, providing children with access to professional mental health supports to deal with these chronic issues and to help our children to heal, recover, and to live the healthy, active lives that they need and deserve. Let's talk about schools for a minute because you're in Alberta and schools just opened up there again. You were mentioning before this interview that your child was uh, thrilled to be back in school. In Ontario, it looks like they're not going to be reopening uh, perhaps for June. Uh, what What is the impact of the schools closing having on our children? The closure of schools has had a devastating impact on children. Uh, children First Canada and Statistics Canada have partnered this past year to harness data to help inform policymakers. We know that uh, leaders of our government are forced to make very, very difficult decisions in terms of the priorities around what stays open and what stays closed. And so we recognize the need to help inform data-driven decisions. We put uh, designed with Stats Canada a new policy tool that was launched earlier this year that helps um, you know, parents or, or, or policy leaders alike to see what's happening in the lives of children around their mental and physical care at the national, provincial and local level. Uh, that tool has been publicly available for some time, uh, but we've also been harnessing real-time data from children's hospitals, uh, frontline children's charities and, you know, others serving, serving children across the country, and it's a dire state of affairs. 
what it's not just the, the lack of access to education, it's the schools are a, um, a gateway, if you will, to the protection of so many of their rights uh, to be able to enjoy physical activity and to stay um, you know, healthy and active, to be able to be connected with safe and trusted adults outside of their home. A third of Canadians, even before the pandemic, reported that they had experienced some form of abuse before the age of 15. So a third of Canadians dealing with um, childhood abuse, uh, then stuck at home um, in families where there is, um, you know, when they're cut off from teachers or other safe trusted adults, they are made extremely vulnerable uh, to additional abuse within their home, but also abuse online. Uh, you know, there are so many different dimensions to this it's food security. Lots of kids at schools rely on breakfast and lunch programs for their healthy meal and don't get a meal otherwise. And so, you know, there are just so many ways that kids have lost essential supports that they need for their survival. And, um, you know, it's taken a massive, massive toll. And sadly, you know, we, we've had the mantra as have many, schools should be the last to close and the first to reopen, but often it's been quite the opposite. Obviously, you can't fight this fight alone. You need people to be joining you, uh, to be uh, sounding the alarm using that code pink hashtag. How do you encourage people to get involved and join you and where can they find out more information? Thank you. It's going to take a nation to raise a nation. And so we really encourage um, anyone listening to help spread the news. You can go to childrenfirstcanada.org to read about the code, uh, code Pink campaign, to learn more about what's happening in the lives of children and how you can help. And we're encouraging you know, every Canadian to join us in declaring Code Pink. You can go If you're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, pick your platform of choice, TikTok, um, you know, post why you are declaring Code Pink, why this matters to you. If you want to share a personal story about you know, a, a child that you know and love who's suffered and declare this for them or for other kids or for the sake of all 8 million kids in Canada. We're encouraging people to mark a pink X on their hand and post that um, as a symbol of this campaign and to call on our prime minister and our premiers across the country. Uh, this is a crisis. It does warrant an emergency response and we need our leaders to do better for the sake of all of our children. Absolutely. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'm going to invite you back here in the fall when it's time for school again, and we'll check in and see how things are going. Thank you so much thank for you. joining me. Thank you so much for having me. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. us have our own way of organizing our lives and the unending list of things we need to accomplish with to-do lists or calendar reminders. But have you tried mind mapping? Julie Harrison is the director of marketing at mindmanager.com and joins me today to share this innovative way to manage your life. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you. It is great to be here. So I am. I saw this go by uh, in in a LinkedIn feed, and I thought, "What the heck is mind mapping?" And of course, I was intrigued, so I reached out to you. So, what is it? Yeah. So, I mean, I was in the exact same boat four years ago before I started here. I had not heard of mind mapping, and yet it's such an intuitive, easy way to work. And it has so many different uses in our everyday lives and professional lives. 
And I really think it has great applications for learning too. So this is something I've adopted fully. I use it myself for all of my meetings with work, for managing projects, for getting started and planning projects, especially at the beginning when you're sort of brainstorming and trying to figure out which is the right way to go. But I also use it with my son too, to help him get his homework done, like book reports and essays and organizing information. It's so much easier when it's visually done. How do you use mind mapping then? Is it, do you draw it out on a piece of paper? Is it something on a computer or, or, or how would you use it through your uh, business mind manager? This fellow named Tony Buzon, he is sort of considered the, the father of mind mapping. And he developed it way back when, and it's easy to use with, you know, a pen and paper, and they often use different colored markers uh, for different lines in the map. And it's like a tree with branches, if you can sort of visualize it that way. Um, but if you imagine the standard office and people are brainstorming and they get excited and immediately someone stands up and they start drawing on the whiteboard, it's like that, except that it's a virtual whiteboard. And so right after the meeting, after you've done all the brainstorming and that kind of thing, no one needs to take a picture and then notes and follow up with everybody. It's immediately already in this digital format and you can start acting on it. So it's very handy. It's a very handy uh, way to think and work. And yeah, I've been using it ever since. Most of us are very uh, visual uh, people. So this helps us see the big picture. Uh, is that correct? As opposed to like the minutia of like a to-do list where you list out every small little step? Exactly. One of the really key things about it is that you can see the forest and the trees, which really helps you people and students and others that you're communicating with to understand the interrelationships between different parts of a plan or a project or whatever you happen to be working on. I mean, it's actually kind of amazing. Like 95% of all cognitive information is perceived through sight. So I guess that's why that old phrase, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words comes from because people do immediately understand things a lot more through visualization. Okay. And how is this being used then in, um, in, edu in an education setting? Are you finding that more and more educators are getting their students onto this type of um, planning? There's a quite a large movement, particularly for kids with disabilities. So if you have dyslexia or dyspraxia, I believe it's called, um, this really helps because it's an easy way to organize your thoughts and then work in things, um, even with ADHD, you can do bite-sized chunks. You don't have to feel overwhelmed with the material in front of you. And so it's not just this mass of information. It's, um, you know, you show yourself what you want to focus on at that particular time. I think with COVID fog running rampant right now through all of our minds, this might actually be an easier way for us to manage that overwhelm we're feeling ourselves, even just being at home all the time, you know, and uh, you would think life would be easier at home, but it's a little more overwhelming, isn't it? A lot of people, what they'll do is they'll create a personal dashboard, they call it, for uh, themselves using a map. And so each of the main topic bubbles will be something like, you know, work and personal and hobbies, family, and then they keep their whole life in this one central dashboard that they can just immediately look at whenever they need to. And uh, the software is amazing. Like you can set alarms if you're late on something or, 
you know, you can hide certain information, you can tag certain information to certain people in the family. It's kind of limitless what you can do with it. But I think the idea of just having one central spot, because we get so much information thrown at us from so many different sources now, it's just overwhelming. Yeah, and I think too that this sounds like a great way to even visualize when you're setting bigger and larger goals in your life, like career steps or where you want to be in 10 years. It sounds like a great way to actually visualize that as well, almost like a, a what's it called? A dream board, a vision board. Yeah, like a vision board. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? We have a lot of customers um, at my manager that are coaches and consultants. And I think that's why, because they do such big thinking work that it's almost like a roadmap for people. All right. Well, I want people to be able to find uh, how to do mind mapping themselves and maybe find a new way to organize their lives. So how, where would they find out more information, Julie? So you can go to mindmanager.com and there's all sorts of free resources available there. And if you want to try it, it's actually 30 days free trial. You don't have to put a credit card in or anything and you can just give it a go. All right. Incredible. Well, I'm going to be giving it a go myself this week and I'll let you know. Thanks so much for joining me today, Julie. Thanks for having me. Joining me now for Saturday night at the movies is Anne Brody. And this week it's festival time. That feels a little celebratory. It does, doesn't it? And I hope it reflects our mood going forward after, uh, after this weekend. So, yay. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about some of the films that are out this week. Because you have a really moving one uh, oh, that you want to share. So tell us about that one. Devastating. I carry you with me. Uh, it's Pride Month. And uh, this is going to be one of the big films of, of, of the month. It's about two lovers in Mexico City who, who are so tied together, but one must fulfill his destiny to go to New York and become a chef. Over 20 years, he does it. He got over the border. It was so dangerous, so horrible. The girl he was traveling with couldn't make it, and he left her to die. Fortunately, she shows up in New York years later. But the two of them are separated for at least 10 years, he and his lover. And eventually they bring, he gets up and they can, they open a chain of restaurants. I mean, that, that's just the plot. It is so incredibly moving. It's a true story. I just, I wept when I watched it. It was this just- is out of, This is out of uh, Mexico, right? Like it's- out Mexico, of, yeah, right. Mexico City. Okay, and, and where can people it, watch it, Anne? Uh, on TVOD. On oh, TV okay. TV. Yeah, Excellent. most of them are this week. Okay, and so uh, the other one that was an international film was Un Undine. Is that correct? They actually pronounce it Undina, but okay. I would say Undine. Okay. But anyway, it's Paula Beer, and she's a she's a wonderful star in Germany, and she plays an historian lecturing on Berlin's architecture and the place that it it began out as the Marshy Dry Place. That was the name. It became Berlin, but she is the living. Uh, incarnation of the myth of Undine, which is a, a Norse myth. She's a fish. She should be a fish. She loves to swim. 
she meets a fellow uh, who is a, an industrial diver and they click like crazy. She meets Big Gunther when she's underwater. He's an enormous fish as big as a boat. He's a carp. Uh, so anyway, her ex-lover dumps her and she seeks, as Undina, she seeks revenge. She has to kill him and she has to return to the water. And what happens, it's so poetic and so beautiful. And Paula Beer does such a wonderful job. And then her, her, her new lover, the, the diver, suffers an injury and is pronounced brain dead. So you just won't believe what happens after that. Just right. a knockout. All right. Also TVOD? Uh, that's at Digital Bell Lightbox and also uh, Cinema du Parc in Montreal and Van City in Vancouver. All right. Uh, let's talk about the festivals briefly because there's something I really want to get to. So let's talk about the festivals. What oh, are the I movies? know there is, Candace. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Three very important festivals beginning now. Uh, Pride Month uh, at, um, uh, what is the name of it now? Queer Becoming. Queer Becoming at Tiff Bell Lightbox. That's online. Um, lots of great films, plus discussions, Q&As, and all of that. Uh, then we have the 10th anniversary of the Toronto Japanese Film Festival, and they always have a fantastic lineup. Really, really good. Uh, there's listings at their website, which is on our website. And, of course, the Toronto Jewish Film Festival, which is uh, in its 26th year or something under Helen Zuckerman, the, the great Helen Zuckerman. Uh, great films from around the world about the Jewish diaspora. Okay. So now let's talk about what you want to talk about. So I have to tell you when you, cause you send me through a list every week. So you, and I go through the films and I watch them before we talk like the trailers. And when I got to Harrison <laughs> Ford, my heart stopped. My heart literally stopped. He is my number one. Anne. I would run away with Harrison Ford. I don't even know how old he is. Maybe what? 78 or something. I would run away yeah. with him today. I love that. <laughs> that man. is so funny. So much. That is so funny. And I will tell you that he's an awfully nice guy. He's married to Callista Lock Flockhart. <laughs> I hope you meet him one day and, and you take him away from her. Oh, he so is, that would be awesome. So yes, so Indiana dreamy. Jones uh, trilogy, uh, uh, five films, uh, four films, 40 years old from the first one. All the Indiana Jones films. Then we have Ferris Bueller's Day Off with Matthew Broderick, Mia Sarah. Then Pretty in Pink, Molly Ringwald, and Anthony McCarthy. Some kind of wonderful Leah Thompson and Craig Shepard. That's when all these stars were at what I call their height of heart throbbery. And yeah. of course, these films really stick in our minds from the 80s. And they were, rom-coms aren't that big anymore but they certainly were the basis of what we watched and what was successful back in the 80s you know so, i gotta tell uh, you i i introduced my daughters to ferris bueller's day off quite a, few, <laughs> quite a few years ago i we sat and we watched it together because it was such an iconic movie for me at the time that i wanted my daughters to watch it and it is one of their top movies uh no they way. asked to watch it repeatedly so i'm very excited to see that it's on netflix this 80s nostalgia roundup it actually comes from Paramount Home Video. So it's okay. available on, uh, on UHD and Blu-ray. To celebrate Indiana Jones, basically, the rest is just an excuse to get it going on the 80s. And I'm all for it. Those were right. big budget, big fun films. 
Well, I'm a little, I have to tell you, I'm a little disheartened to hear that it's been 40 years. Uh, but if people want to watch all, get, get all of your reviews this week, plus these and where to find them and keep them busy as we continue our stay at home order, at least in Ontario, uh, they can go to whatshesaidtalk.com and you will be back next week with more. I will with more. Thanks, Candace. See you Thanks, then. Have a story for what she said? Email us Welcome at 105 what she said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region. jumping into the second interview that is part of an eight-part masterclass on personal finance with Meridian Credit Union. And girl, we are jumping right into it today with Teresa Valente from Meridian Credit Union as we zero in on what was formerly a dirty word for me, budgeting. Welcome to the show, Teresa. Thank you, Candace. Nice to be back. I think back on, on my education and, you know, I have the most beautiful cursive writing but budgeting wasn't exactly something I think I learned in school when I think back on that. Yeah, it's true. And you know, a lot of people, when they hear the word budget, they think it's going to be a very ominous, um, time-consuming event to try to get all of their finances together. But really, it is the easiest thing to do to get yourself in a position where you can manage your money better. Yeah, I genuinely thought, you know, when I first started, you know, really zoning in on budgeting, I, I genuinely thought it was going to be quite painful. Um, as it turns out, it's actually quite an enjoyable process. So let's start with where to begin for people. Sure. So the first thing to do is get organized, collect all your receipts, your credit card statements, and really have a look of where your money is going. Keep track of your spending. There are apps you can actually put on your phone. So when you're out getting your Starbucks or your groceries, just key it in, very, very simple. And then have a look at where you want to spend your money. What are your plans for it? Are you saving for retirement? Are you saving for a down payment on a home? Maybe a vacation that we're all dying to have. <laughs> And once you do those two things, it is time to crunch the numbers. And this is where budgeting will come in. And when you think what is a budget, it's really just creating a plan on where to spend your money while balancing your income against your expenses. Yeah, I think one of the best pieces of advice I'd heard in the last few years is that to give every dollar a job. So, you know, make your money work for you, right? Give every dollar that comes into your hand a job. It can be for fun, but give it a job. That's a very good point. Absolutely. So um, one of the things I like to do is, is if, when I have people create a budget is making sure that they, when it is completed, that they can compare it to something. So I think of it as a 50, 20, 30 plan. So 50, 20, 30, so 50%, no more than 50% of your income will go towards um, the essentials, such as paying your mortgage, your utilities, your groceries, a loan payment. 
And then you have 20% of your income that will go towards uh, your savings, retirement, RESP, maybe tax-free. And then the 30% will go towards your lifestyle expenses, such as your entertainment, your traveling, uh, your gym membership. And this 30% is really flexible because especially right now where we all have been home and not being able to spend money as much as we used to, there is extra uh, money that is sitting on the sidelines now that you could actually use for paying off maybe higher uh, income or credit cards because we've all been shopping online. So we've been using our credit cards a lot. So there's an extra place that you can start to bring down debt or possibly extra money for retirement. And I always say that when you're budgeting, do not forget about unexpected expenses that can come up. So this extra savings you may have now, maybe put aside as part of your emergency fund. So as you were speaking there, it became very clear to me that I still have much more work to do here because I was thinking extra money. I'm going shopping. <laughs> so I, I need to rethink maybe a little bit on my budget. <laughs> so what about you talk about debt a little bit here? What is considered bad debt? Okay. So um, debt is basically just borrowing money from a partner to pay for something that you can't afford. And there is good debt and there is bad debt. So when I think of good debt, I think of this debt being anything that will create a future value or increase your net worth. So a good debt could be a mortgage, small business loan, a student loan. And when you think about bad debt, this is anything that may hinder any future plans that you may have. So when I think of bad debt, I think of um, maybe higher credit card debt or borrowing to pay for current debt. Um, so carrying any debt without a plan uh, cannot be sustainable and it will increase your debt as you go if you do not have a plan on paying it off regularly. A car would be an example of a bad debt, really, wouldn't it? It doesn't really, most of them don't increase in value. Yep, that is a perfect example of a bad debt, because when we get these car loans, we know that as soon as you usually roll off the, the lot, that your car will drop in value. It's just making sure that that debt is not way far more than what that car is worth. Okay, so I mean, I think this 50-20-30 rule, I really, I really like that. But I'm thinking right now that might be hard for some people um, with, you know, uh, sort of the economic challenges we're looking at with COVID. Um, so can you, is there a way to maybe, uh, I mean, do we have to reduce our lifestyle? Uh, should we be looking at paying down all of our debt first? Um, any tips for sort of dealing with that right now? So when it comes to what order that you should uh Kind of put this extra savings it's really individualized right because what your priority might be may not be the next person so um as far as you know if you have if you don't have this extra money then yes looking at that debt a good idea is maybe to look for a way to consolidate it we have the interest rates that are low so checking with your bank and seeing if there's some way we can consolidate this to produce uh, lower payments where you have this extra cash flow. 
Does consolidation affect credit rating? Um, it, as long as the payments are made on time. So what, what would um, affect your credit rating on a credit bureau is if you have any lapse payments. So let's say you go past the 30 days into 60 days. When you go to borrow, this is what the lenders will look at is your past history on how well you pay off previous debt. And also having uh, a lot of debt at different places. So going out and getting a bunch of different credit cards or, um, or opening uh, credit accounts at different places. These will appear on your credit bureau also. And, okay. and, it may, and it may show if there's a lot of debt, it may also make it appear that you are searching for credit, which could also be um, against your credit score. Okay, so when we're talking about then our bank account, you know, we've got our checking, we have our savings. Do you recommend people have maybe multiple sort of buckets to put money and, and, and either leave it in savings or investing? Yeah, so that's a good point that when people are savings, they will have different objectives and different time horizons for their money. So putting it into different buckets or different accounts is a great way to separate these. So if you have something that's needed on a short-term basis, you may want to keep it or your regular um, expenses, keep it in your checking. And then your tax-free savings may be more of a long-term type of investment. And then you may be wanting to kind of expand on the options that you're investing if you have a longer term for the money that you're saving. Okay, I want people to be able to connect with a financial advisor at Meridian then to talk about this budgeting, uh, because it can be a little overwhelming if perhaps you've had your head in the sand for a little bit about this, or maybe you're just getting familiar with the concept of it. Uh, so if people want to connect with you, uh, where can they uh, do that? So www.meridiancu.ca, um, when you go onto the site, you will see um, our, our wealth tab where you can um, look for an advisor in your region. Uh, we have a lot of extremely talented advisors at Meridian that all specialize in different areas. And also when you're looking for that budget, there is a tools and calculator tab where you can go in and there's actually a budget calculator that you can, uh, you can kind of track all of your expenses and such. Oh, that's excellent. And Very I just want to I just want to remind people as well that they that we're going to be keeping all of these videos from this master class on what she said talk.com. So if you want to go back and catch the first interview with Dillis de Cruz, you can do that. And then this one, and we're going to list them all right through to the end so that you can watch them and binge watch this master class, I guess. <laughs> Thanks so much yeah. for joining me today, Teresa. This was great. Thank you, Candace. We'll see you soon. When is the last time you had a date night? Whether it's a first date or a date night with your long-term partner, planning a special night for two has definitely presented challenges this past year. Thankfully, it's datenight.com is here to help with creative ideas to find alone time with each other. 
Selena Kovacis, the editor of It's Date Night, shows me now, joins me now to share some tips and places for date night with your love. Welcome to the show, Selena. Hi, thank you, Candice. So when did It's Date Night uh, start? It started actually about eight years ago in Calgary. It was kind of before the time of social media. So it originally started as a class project from our founder, Mandy. She has since turned it into what it is today. Um, it originally started as an events directory, really. They were trying to support local businesses by getting people at their physical locations for events, whether it's um, members of the media or just the public encouraging them to go to date nights at these places. With the pandemic that has shifted and with the, obviously the surgence of social media being such a big part of our business, it definitely shifted into a more online platform. So, right. So you were around for a long time then before COVID hit. So uh, this is what I really want to talk about then uh, quickly is how, how creative did you have to get once the world shut down? Very creative. Um, we knew that there were so many industries that people were still utilizing for their date nights, whether it be the alcohol industries, whether it be takeout, whether it be um, things that people can do virtually. But we were very, very set on restaurants and events and concerts and sports games. And we love sharing all that. When it shut down, we really had to think, how are we still going to support local businesses while bringing fun ideas and creative ideas without saying over and over, just get takeout. Um, so we had to be creative and the businesses that have started coming up and that have been really like pushing themselves through the pandemic have also been really, really creative. And it's been easy to draw inspiration from when they kind of have such cool things that these businesses are doing now. Can you share some of the uh, creative or more unique date nights that you've shared with people? Absolutely, especially over the past year, picnic businesses. So DIY and custom picnic businesses are huge. So whether it's for your backyard or for parks and beaches around, there are so many local spots right now who are setting up gorgeous, gorgeous picnic dates for people, whether it's supplying a physical basket with all the food or doing a full event setup. A lot of people who are event planners and wedding planners have turned to this. Um, another one that's really cool is home theater setups in the backyard. Um, a company visits your location and sets up a huge projector, screen, popcorn, so you can have a movie date at home when theaters are closed. I love that idea. That's great. And I've also seen glamping uh, being set up in people's backyards as well, which also seems like a fun, a fun night. Well, mind you, not the first date, maybe, but <laughs> maybe a little later in your relationship. That sounds a little fun. Uh, so what are the plans now then as uh, we're starting to come out of COVID? We have definitely seen such a shift um, already. Restaurants kind of have their life back. They're preparing for all their outdoor fun patios. Um, all of that stuff that can happen this summer is what people are really, really just excited for. They want to get out, even if it's staying outdoors, even if it's going to a beach, even if it's going to an outdoor wine tasting at a winery. Um, so we are preparing for all of that. We are just keeping our eye out and drawing inspiration from all the areas around Toronto and the GTA for what we can do, what we can share with people and how they can do it for their dates. Are there any uh, plans for its date night to expand across Canada into other cities? 
Yes, yes. So originally when we started, it did just start in Calgary. And as Toronto joined, we joined in February 2021. We recently onboarded Halifax. So we have Halifax now. And our future plans coming actually very soon is Edmonton as well as BC. So where do you get these ideas that are for your date nights? Do people come to you? Like do businesses come to you or do you go out and seek them? Both. It's definitely a mixture of both. We get inspiration from just personally, we do this because we love it. So I love doing this anyway, whether it's just scrolling and finding new businesses to check out or physically going out into the neighborhood and saying, this is a really cute coffee spot. And this is a really nice ice cream place. Make a date of it and check out this outdoor trail too. So that's always turning in my head already, especially since I've worked here, but inspiration from businesses who are announcing really cool things from local bloggers and foodies who are posting and tagging us just the community is really really good with this so we've taken a lot from that and been able to kind of create things of our own to share as well well I love it I think lots of people are looking for inspiration right now as we're all tired of trying to come up with creative uh, ideas so it's good that somebody else is doing that for us so I want you to share uh, how people can find you or follow along and uh, maybe jump in on some of these creative ideas themselves Absolutely. That's what we're here for, to plan your dates for you. So you can find us online at www.itsdatenight.com. That's our editorial focused website. And on Instagram and other social channels like Facebook and Twitter, we have them separated. So date night YYZ for Toronto and date night YYC for Calgary and that for all the locations. Incredible. Thank you for joining me, Selena, uh, and giving us some inspiration for a special night out. Yes. Thank you. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. When it comes to oral health, men and women are not created equal. Women have unique oral health issues. Hormones, pregnancy, and menopause are just three issues that can raise your risk of problems in your mouth, teeth, and gums. Anita Deddy is the owner of Dental X in Vaughan, an award-winning dental clinic. Anita has made it her mission to educate patients on the importance of dental health and joins me today to discuss issues that are unique to the What She Said audience. Welcome back to the show, Anita. Thank you for having me. So let's start with the first question. Do women need to see a dental hygienist more than men? They do, um, especially when they have uh, specific things uh, during um, their lifetime. So um, let's say when, um, you know, like sometimes um, when they are going through, let's say, oh, like puberty, um, and then after when they, um, when they are uh, pregnant, um, when the, uh, also through menopause. So there is so many, um, so many things, you know, during our lifetime that women have to see um, a dental professional more than men. Yeah, I mean, hormones, obviously, this all sounds very hormonal, puberty, you know, yes. menopause, <laughs> uh, pregnancy, these all sounds like it has a lot to do with hormones. So how do hormones affect our dental health? 
So hormones um, do affect our dental health um, a lot. Um, as uh, we, um, we have the opportunity or we have this gift of uh, giving life as women, but unfortunately this doesn't come without a price. So our hormones, you know, can give um, different things our, to our overall health, also to our dental health. One of the most common things that we see is usually swollen gums and uh, more bleeding. Even though uh, sometimes I find that these things are a little bit more myths than actual things, because if we take good care, we don't see those things uh, more than, you know, like usual. But we do have to take a little bit more like an extra step, more than, um, you know, like men or <laughs> more than boys, then, you know, like we have to do a little bit extra, like brushing a little bit um, like more, like longer. And a couple of times, you know, during the day we have to floss, uh, we have to make sure that uh, uh, we use even extra things like, um, let's say, if, um, like a little bit of, uh, I usually say it's the uh, grandma's tip, like with uh, salt and water, um, that actually does help. And uh, we have to see the dental professional a little bit more often. So let's say if um, regularly you see the dental professional every six months, we do have to see them every three uh, to four months to make sure that we don't have bigger problems and we catch them a little bit earlier than, um, than they become bigger problems. Okay. Let's talk about menstrual cycles for a second, because, you know, I think about menstrual cycles, you know, there's the cravings for the chocolate and the mood changes <laughs> and so on and so forth. But does it also affect uh, what's going on in our mouth uh, sort of on a monthly cycle? Yes, it does. And we see that a lot of uh, women, when they are during their menstrual cycle, uh, when they come in, I usually ask them because sometimes you notice that there is more bleeding and a little bit more sensitivity. And when I ask them, I say, are you on your menstrual cycle? And they look at me, they're like, how do you know? And I say, yeah, I've been doing this for a very long time. So I, and especially if I've seen these patients for a while, um, I can see the difference uh, between the days. And I say, yeah, I kind of understand because your mouth is, your gums are bleeding a little bit more and your teeth are a lot more sensitive. So I try to make them a little bit more comfortable, like using a little bit of, uh, you know, numbing gel or sometimes, you know, like to be a little bit gentler. So just uh, to make sure that they are a little bit more comfortable during their uh, dental appointment. Just one more thing to watch out for on a monthly basis <laughs> for women. Yeah, for sure. Does birth control, because um, a lot of women take birth control, does that have any effect on what's happening in our mouth? Yes, definitely. Also, because they increase the hormone, they increase and decrease the hormone levels. And definitely, for sure, we have to make sure that uh, if the patients are taking birth control, we ask them. And uh, sometimes they don't, uh, they say, oh, is this important? Like, how does this affect, you know, my dental health? And we say every single thing that you are doing in your, you know, in your life, in your lifestyle, it is very important to the dental health. So for sure, uh, birth control is one thing. And that's why we, uh, we check and we make sure that there is nothing um, unusual that is, um, that is affecting. Uh, one thing that I've noticed, this was a while ago, and there was a lady, every time she would use birth control, she had this swelling of the gums in particular areas. And they looked more like um, they were... Um, it looked more like a cyst more than the actual swollen gums. And every time I would say to her, you know, I would say to her, maybe you should change this kind of birth control because probably it's not, you know, the right one for you. And uh, after a while, she got, you know, like to the point that she changed it. And guess what? You know, it made her oral health much better than it was when she was using a particular one uh, at that time. This is, this is a, amazing to me because I think that we just don't think about this enough 
how yeah. everything is interconnected, right? And particularly um, how our hormones as women really affect every aspect of our health. So this is fantastic. I want people to be able to find you obviously in, um, in North York and Vaughan, but what about people across the country if they wanna find you online? Because I know you share amazing things on your social channels, where can they find you? So they can uh, definitely find us on our website at dentalex.ca that gets updated regularly. And also in our social media, we are on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. So it's uh, on Twitter is at, at Dentalex Smiles, on Instagram is dentalex.ca, and Facebook is at uh, Dentalex. Wonderful. Aneta, thank you so much. I'm sure a lot of women are sitting there going, oh, it's all making sense now. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for having me. That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com. And be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to re-listen to this episode and find full details for all of today's guests. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Soaring with a eagle so high, feeling free. Remember me down the road, hand in hand. Previous episodes of What She Said on 105.9 TheRegion.com. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer. Such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.